evening, everyone. Um, this is Jen Bonet with the Creative Coast, and tonight is Entrepreneur's Night. Uh, it's a little dark in here. Sorry, I apologize for that. I am testing out my new little at-home rig here because it's dark outside and it's really six o'clock. But um, mm -hmm. this is our monthly event where we meet with an entrepreneur, a Savannah-based entrepreneur that's successful, get their story and learn about their business and get tips for our new entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs um, to hopefully grow successful businesses in the region. Today, I'm psyched to have uh, Carrie Clark Phelps with us. Uh, she's actually what I call a parallel entrepreneur. Um, what that means is she has multiple businesses. Um, and so we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. Um, I don't recommend it for the newbie, but uh, for the more experienced entrepreneur, um, you know, that starts to see multiple situations that they can uh, build businesses around, you often see it happen. So uh, welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Um, I always like to start by allowing the, the person to tell us a little bit about their background um, from Savannah, where they go to school, how they got here, how they got to Savannah, not so much about the business, but about them personally. Okay, awesome. Well, I was born and raised in Sarasota, Florida, and spent most of my summers, though, in New York and the cities in between Florida and New York. So my family decided to start their own business, and we traveled in a Volkswagen bus, and we went to craft fairs and art festivals, and this was in the 80s when um, those festivals are, are much like their trending to be today, the more high-end um, art um, I, concepts and ideas of um, what real true art is at a festival and not just um, First Friday craft. It's, it's more about the quality and the maker movement, what we're seeing today. So my parents were a part of that in the 80s. And I traveled around like that for about 10 years of my life and uh, never really honestly thought I was a creative, even though my parents were, I, it was just, it was just who I was. And I just, I always wanted to be like a writer, but more technical. Um, I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to be a pilot, a lawyer, like all the traditional things, but, but never um, a designer across my mind or an art in any way. So I moved to Savannah to attend the Savannah College of Art and Design and pursued a degree in architecture. Um, but that only lasted one month. Uh, I realized it was too particular. There's too many details, too many rules. And if, if buildings fall, people die. And that was just too big for me. Um, moved over to the fashion industry. It was studying it. That wasn't for me. Um, and then my boyfriend at the time took me to what used to be the old gallery espresso. Um, that was a little bookshop that's now around the corner. And you kind of dip down in that first level, that garden level. And we had hot cocoa and he told me I acted like a graphic designer. And that's really where it all started. <laughs> wow. That's great. I am. Um, I have, followed a software career myself. And there are certain types of software jobs I won't take because if you do it wrong, somebody does die. Like I don't yeah. want to work for NASA because if the software is wrong, somebody dies, right? I don't want to write plain software for planes because if it's wrong, somebody dies. So yeah. I want to have a little bit more fun with my life. Yes. So, um, 
then, so you, you got here for SCAD and right out of school, you launched your own business or you joined some other businesses first? Yeah, about a year before I graduated, I started working at a printing company and their focus was, was primarily for um, architects and builders, law, law firms, large format, black and white. Um, and I worked there sort of this, in the service position, helping essentially take a disc from somebody, print things out and prepare their files. Um, get them bound or in, once in a while I got to do some design work or layout but I knew the computer and it was a very um, old company maybe 30 years old when I started working there and I was the first female employee as far as I knew um, and worked there for ended up working there for about three and a half years and so I graduated out of SCAD in just three years and I thought I really like Savannah and I don't see a reason to just like up and move right away. And they had offered me a full-time job. So I thought I at least owe Savannah four years of my college life here and um, ended up launching my business after that um, in 2004. Awesome. And, and tell us about launching Clark Creative. So I launched Clark Creative after being in that service role for that many years. I realized that, you know, that was, it was great. It was problem solving, but there was always deadlines involved in turn, And it was more of a, someone was giving me directive and I was just answering the call. And I realized if I had my own business that I'd be able to call those shots and do more create creative work. Um, and so I launched Clark Creative literally in like a tiny closet in my apartment. Um, and, you know, I'd walk down Broughton Street around lunchtime, run into people and I'd get jobs that way. And people say, hey, I've been meaning to call you. And so it was, it was interesting that literally the squares and the streets of Savannah is what started my client list. And it's just so easy to connect with people here. Um, it's, you know, it's not like you're in another city where you have, if you you run into someone at the grocery store or something. I mean, you're running into people when they're maybe in between meetings, they might have a little bit more time. So it's a very fluid, easy way to engage and interact with people. So I think that if this situation would happen in any other city, I don't, I don't think my business would have like launched so quickly. Um, so I started the business then and quickly moved to a space above where the Paris market is now. That was a new building being renovated and I shared an office with a web development company and that was a really good symbiotic relationship. They, they had an okay design and I did not have the design skills for, or um, the, the development skills for websites. Um, so we, we, I had an adjoining office with them. So that worked out really well. So that was our first kind of like partnership in, in a business. Um, and then within a year, that was like right around hurricane Katrina, which was an interesting year. Um, and I just remember that because that was my first employee that I hired. Someone that was escaping the hurricane came and needed part-time work because her business had shut down. So I needed some help, but was still sort of new to owning a business. I thought, well, I can commit to someone for a few months. That will be easy. <laughs> um, and then I bought a building and that is when I knew like, okay, I'm really doing this. So it, it happened very fast for me. I did not know you bought a building. Wow. Yes. In my first year of business, but I knew, I knew as a, you know, as a design company, not having like, I'm not doing manufacturing. It's all about the people. I knew that at some point, the main thing, if I ever wanted to get out of it, 
having an asset to sell, even if it wasn't my business, would be a, a smart move. Okay. Cool. Well, I think also one of the things would be you're very much on about brand, right? And mm-hmm. so having a building and, and getting it just the way that you want it is probably easier <laughs> when you own the building. Uh, True. We have, we have a lot more options in Savannah now than you did back there then as far as mm-hmm. like what has been renovated or what hasn't. Um, so I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so you, it was around, you hired your first employee right after Katrina. Um, how did you scale from there? Well, from there, um, I remember I hired my, I, I started hiring at first, I'll tell you at first I was hiring contractors and I thought that was a way to go because I didn't have to commit and it seemed safer. And you realize in the end, it's really not, you know, the, the best move to do that. If you're really serious about your business and you're serious about building a team, you really need people that feel like you trust them and they trust you to, and we rely on each other. Um, so it took me a couple of years probably to get really comfortable with hiring someone full time. Um, I, I believe I hired like one person right away because I had the building. I knew I was invested in this. Um, but one by one, I mean, really, it was I, I really relied on the work coming in and the volume. And then, you know, over the past 16 years, I've realized, you know, you can hire and project what the needs are going to be. And it, you know, that takes a lot of guts, I think, for a small business to hire somebody when you don't know if you have the work coming. But if you start to have a plan, you start to have your systems and you can see the path in your past history um, and you have enough volume, you can support it. Even if they're not busy all the time, you're not sitting there like sweating, like I'm paying them and they're not doing anything. So that can, that can happen at times. But um, if you have enough infrastructure and a solid client list, that gets less risky over time. Um, so at one point, then we got to about eight employees. Um, that was back in like maybe 2008. And then um, things changed a lot then. That's, it was an interesting time for us. We actually raised our rates, but uh, we had, we reduced our staff, raised our rates because we were just so busy. But we thought if we just like keep the the best clients and attract the best clients and maybe scale back our team, um, that seemed to be a strategy that worked for us at the time. And it, it really allowed us to get really honed in on what kind of work we wanted to do. And that was a recession as well. Yes. 2008, 2009. Totally different than this, yeah. this thing that's happening now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so where are you at today for specifically for uh, Clark Creative? How many employees? So it's it, we're honestly in a very interesting spot. Um, last year, or actually two years ago, we had our best year ever. Well, we start, we, we always had this threshold we were trying to get back to, and, and, you know, I always thought, okay, I'll have a company up to maybe 12, 15 people. I've never wanted to make it like a 50 person agency. Um, I really like helping small businesses. Um, I see the reward in that and I really like helping them. I mean, if I wanted to work somewhere larger, we'd go to a different city, but I just like the pace of things. So, you know, we, we broke some records financially and some goals in the last couple of years. And so then this year starts and we're on track and then just like a wall. 
and you know everyone's working from home. Um, our we were hired. We had job offers drafted, like ready to send, right before um, St. Patrick's Day. And I was going out of town for a week, and I thought, let me just hold this pandemic, or not even a pandemic at the time. This virus is heading this way. St. Patrick's Day. Let me just hold. And that was interesting because we would have had nine employees at that time. And so now we're down to like less than half that we're working remote. Um, it, it doesn't, I've done this before. I've worked remote before. We've had our company, um, at a small size in the past. Um, it, it is a little daunting to think, Oh, and I have to build it back up again, but I just really have to put more people back in the seats. And there's plenty of talent out there and people, I think a lot of people have lost their jobs and a lot of people are moving to Savannah. So I, I feel like I have hope for that. Um, but really it's a time where we can kind of analyze where, again, where do I want to go? Where do we want to go with this? And, um, we're still getting new clients. Everything seems pretty like it feels the same, but we just don't have as much volume. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of, I guess, customers, how many customers are you usually serving at a given point in time? Is it, is it kind of project-based or are there some that are on retainer and it's just a constant flow? Yes. We probably have five clients that are on a retainer or similar to a retainer. That's just constant ongoing work. Um, those clients are based out of um, Wisconsin, um, Savannah, Hinesville, you know, all, all over. Um, generally, most of our clients are regional. I would say maybe 30% of Savannah of, of Savannah are our clients. Um, about maybe 30% is regional and that could be all the way over to like Alabama. Um, and then the balance is, you know, the rest of the country. And it's odd that the last couple of years we have had more clients from California than I'm like, can you find a place further away than Savannah to hire someone? Um, so just last week we got another one. And then yesterday we got a new client from Michigan. So it's just interesting that they're not finding people in their own backyard, but we'll take it. Um, but we, we pretty much are probably working on maybe about 20 to 30 accounts at a time. Um, probably 10 big projects and, you know, 30 or 40 little small things. Um, it's great when you have clients for so long, they always need refreshing and hopefully they're not all needing it at once. Um, but you know, the larger projects, they, we probably do, you know, 10 really big projects a year and those can last a couple months. Um, and I would say, you know, in the last, I looked at my client list just the other day because I was like, I wonder where we're at. And, you know, basically I was looking, we've had about a hundred, we've worked on about a hundred accounts in the last two years. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm curious as to like, so uh, the, uh, these customers from Michigan and California, how do they find you? It's interesting. Most of them literally Google us. They look at our website um, some, some companies I think are interested in moving to the area. So they're, they're looking for, I see those motions down. Um, they're looking for businesses to connect with that. They feel like, I mean, I've get, I get this feedback a lot that people are like, you look like you're really invested in your community. It looks like you're super connected. looks like you're doing all the things that we value. So we want to work with a company like yours. So it's, it is interesting. Um, 
that they are finding us. And it is just a web. I mean, without the internet, it's just so many things couldn't be happening right now. So I just think about what happens if I would have started my business 20 years, oh, 40 years ago, I guess. Sort of like my father's always said, how I'll go down to Florida for like a week. And he's like, don't you need to work today? I'm like, I am working. He's like, well, I don't, he just can't grasp it that like I can have my phone, have my laptop, pull it up at the breakfast table and just work for a couple hours. And he's like, don't you need to call some people? I'm like, no, I'm getting everything done right here. So, you know, thankfully people are finding us through the web. And I think that's, you know, that's been the biggest thing for us. I mean, really it's been word of mouth all these years. And I keep imagining what if I put like, what if we did a big campaign? What if we do for ourselves, what we do for everybody else? But again, you know, it's, um, I'd rather drink from, you know, maybe a faucet versus a hose or however, I want to be able to adjust that nozzle. (laughs) Uh, Word of mouth is the best marketing though, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, We're going to stick with this one business and then we're going to shift gears a little bit. So um, (laughs) what, at what point did you, were you like, okay, this is really working. Um, I can do this. This is going to be successful. This is my journey. This is my path. Mm-hmm. Um, or was there ever any doubt? You were just like, this is what I'm doing. I never, I feel like whatever I want to do, my friend tells me I, I fly around on a golden horseshoe because, but I'm like, I polish that thing all the time. I mean, it's not easy. She makes it look like I just get on and just it's success. But I mean, I do work hard, but I, most of the ideas that I've put forth, I believe in, and I feel like it's going to work and I just work until it does. Um, I don't work myself silly by any means, but um you know, but in terms of success, I mean, I do see that from that word of mouth. I see it from awards we've received, you know, I don't see it. I mean, in our clients coming back, like repeat business. So I think that's a huge part of it. But that first year I started, I got an award from the small business chamber and I stood up in front of like 300 people. And I I think I was like 23 years old and I accepted this award and Um, I felt like at that point, like I had made the right decision to do something and other people had saw that in me. So that made, that made me feel more confident. Um, and then the next turning point was probably like four or five years later, we won an award from our peers for the best advertising campaign in the, um, in the area and the region. And I had other, you know, companies on the team, but I felt um, really great when I was like, okay, from my peers, I've won this award for design. So that felt like, okay, I, I'm, I must be doing something right. But still, I mean, there's so much talent out there. <laughs> um, I bought a second building five years ago and made it when I'm, when I moved in, I'm like, I want it somewhere between a SCAD building and Greg Parker's office. <laughs> and I have it. So that feels really good too, to walk into a beautiful building. Yeah. And it's an investment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the people that I speak to that are, that are successful are like, are just like, well, I decided that this was my journey and, and I'm going to keep pivoting slightly until I find that right path. Right. Yeah. I always, I've always gone from the very beginning, from the first day I started my business, I just always think about what's the worst case scenario. 
And for me, when I started was, oh, I'll just have to move back home. I was 22 years old. So I was like, whatever, that won't be the worst thing ever. I mean, it wouldn't be great, but that was sort of like my worst case. Now, as you get older and you have more commitments and you have a family and all the things, I mean, you can't, that's not a good backup plan, but just thinking like, okay, if this is the wrong decision, what's really going to, what's so bad about doing something wrong, then you just know to, to change it. So I'm not afraid of change. I love I love challenging myself with new things. If something's perfect, I'm going to figure out a way to make it better. How much of that do you think comes from your family's entrepreneurial, creative spirit background? A lot. My mother um, was always coming up with new ideas. My dad thought she was crazy. My husband thinks I'm crazy. He's like, oh, another idea. Um, So when I launched my other business, I had a dream about it. And I told my husband and I was talking about like, I was really going to do it. And he's like, you should just stay focused. And I'm like, you are crushing my dreams right now. <laughs> Literally. So you can't do that. Like I'm going to make this happen. And that probably fueled me more than anything. But um, my mom always, my mom had, my mom probably started like four or five businesses when I was a kid. Um, and she just got bored of them and would start another one. And so I was there to witness a lot of that. My dad ended up quitting his job to help support the business she started. And he was the one running it for a while. Um, so it's just in my blood. My, I would say 90% of my families had, um, businesses and are entrepreneurs, um, back even to like the 1800s. So it's just, it's in me. Very cool. Very cool. So let's talk about. The second business, mm-hmm. Salacia Salts. So I've had Salacia for nine years now, and it's a skincare company, and it's inspired by the South and the Sea. And I literally had a dream that I was packaging salts in a reclaimed bottle for a customer. And we were in the middle of a renovation of our old home and finding bottles and fragments and things in our backyard. And um, my back, like much of what I do at Clark Creative now is packaging focused. And so in my dream, I was packaging salts for a client and said, well, why don't you just use a medicinal bottle? It'll be very unique to Savannah. It's one of a kind. It's a great, and it's a great story to tell. And I woke up and told my husband and he said that Tybee is the native American word for salt. And I thought that is so cool. And, uh, thought there's gotta be somebody that's leveraging this knowledge and doing something with it. And there was not, um, the salt table had just opened. Um, there's a spice and tea exchange on Broughton street, right. When that whole revitalization was happening, or maybe that was right before. Um, and then there was nourish the skincare company. So I did my research and I'm like, okay, the, I'm not going to go into the food sector since there was two of those. And I went to nourish and they only had like, you know, lavender and, other just general fragrance blends, rose and other things. And I thought, well, I've had this dream about Savannah and the Indians and Tybee. So I'm like, why don't I just have it have a central focus around the South and the sea um, and make it really truly like a gift from Savannah. Um, So launched that nine years ago. And that has also moved um, from my kitchen to the back office of Clark Creative, um, to the break room, the kitchen. We had, um, we were making salts there. (laughs) Um, It's pretty interesting to see what your neighbors think when you keep getting big bags of like 50 pound bags of like white powdered substance. (laughs) Um, And then we moved to a warehouse right near where the JW Marriott Plant Riverside is right now. It was a parole office um, where Jelinek Cork was. 
And then, um, then five years ago, we moved into this building. So the first floor is Salacia and the second and third is Clark Creative. Awesome. So we're all in the same building. So that's how I can stay focused because I can just run downstairs, do a photo shoot, grab product or, you know, place product and see how it fits on the shelf. So it's been really great. Like um, a lot of people think it's very separate, but I see them crossing more often than not. I imagine you must have a strong support team underneath you in both organizations to be able to juggle that. Yes. Yes. I, and I've learned, um, actually a couple of years ago, I decided to hire a COO. Um, she was remote. She was living in white plains, New York, but as of Monday, she moved to Savannah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she's now here in Savannah, but she really helped me figure out how and where I needed to stay focused and where the areas were that I, I didn't enjoy working. So she helped me hire for those positions. And that was really like a pivotal moment. And that's where I actually felt like I was able to break that financial ceiling, like for, you know, 15 or 14 years, I could never really get over this one threshold number. And it was just driving me crazy. And it was just a number, but I'm like, how come I can have two employees or eight and still just never get past this. And, um, with her guidance and her, all of her agency experience, I was able to do that. Um, and so that's, it was definitely good to hire. You know, I think the biggest, the biggest difference was, is I always hired creatives and, when she got involved we started hiring people that could actually work on accounts and help the customers directly, not just with the design, the design was easier to execute and quicker to execute, but the the holdup was me communicating with the clients all the time and and not having other people to do that. So um, that when I was like, I only have two designers and I have like six other people on my team and we're a design company. It seemed really weird. (laughs) No, that's, that's important. Um, she may qualify for the remote worker incentive, by the way. <laughs> ah, yes. Right? right. So, yeah, we should, we should talk about that sometime. Great. But we might be able to get her some, some of her moving costs reimbursed. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm going to switch gears. We're going to ask a couple more questions, and then we're going to open it to the audience in case they want to ask any questions. So one of the things is uh, I always ask, what has your biggest challenge been? Mm-hmm. And it I guess be in either business or it could just be about being an entrepreneur. I think it kind of goes into that, you know, in terms of hiring. I mean, it's, the, I think the, one of the hardest things has been the team. And I think in the beginning, I just hired the, the best talent. Like that person has the best design skills and I'm hiring them. Meanwhile, their personality was, you know, um, special and, I kept doing it over and over again. And then I realized that I need to find kind people. I need to find people with the same values. And so we really now focus on hiring with values and personality to make sure it's a good fit. Because if you do, if you can communicate well with somebody, then you can teach them to get, you know, teach and talk and get through challenges together versus, I mean, a design problems like this much of what we do, you know, we're, we're really like a design business that gets business. We're really focused on the companies that we're serving. And the design part of it is just an element of that. Everything else is about, you know, making sure it's on the right, um, we're setting the right goals and we can 
figure out what that is together. So, you know, just, I think the team has been probably the hardest thing. And I feel like I finally figured that out after all these years. Um, again, that, that number, I just, I felt like that was hard to break. And I finally did that after 14 years. Um, and then, you know, I think COVID has been a little bit of an issue for us just because I think it's hard. We're not back in the office yet. We've tried and there's a lot of hesitation with the team. Um, and I think that that is really hard for me because I don't feel comfortable hiring somebody to work as a part of the team, but never seeing them in person and trying to fit. I just feel like there's going to be challenges with that because we're such a close group and then not having that connection with us. So I've been sort of delaying decisions because of it. I just feel like there's always like one more wall, like industries are going through different issues, politics, all the things. It just seems like there's so many barriers and it's not like I can just break through them and like people aren't experiencing it on the other side. Everybody's experiencing it. So that's just been um, interesting that normally I'm like, I can just market the heck out of it and figure it out and get through. And now it's like, you know, like businesses aren't really ready to move on certain things. So that's been a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I think um, each of us is having our own unique experience in, in, with with the pandemic. And I mean, we've we've been open since Memorial Day. Creative Coast has been open for, since Memorial Day, and it's just really now that people are starting to come back. And we've done all, everything that we possibly can to try and make yeah. it safe. And I think you gotta let people be where they're at. I know it's just usually it's like you can persuade or advertise or market or whatever the thing is and you can get people to do something but now it's like there's all these other things that are happening and it's just it's just more barriers and I'm not I'm not used to the fight <laughs> I think uh still have a little bit of the hunker down mentality but I think the end is near so uh or at least I see a light yeah means and the treatments and um and the great, you know, yeah. And the great thing about it is, you know, I did have this other business literally below me that actually thrived in the pandemic. So there was, we were really busy in the beginning. And then when I think people realized things weren't going to get back to normal so quick, I think people just started to slow their roll on new websites and new branding and new packaging. They're like, okay, who's even going to see it? Um, and trying to market and promote a business when people aren't going to coffee shops. They're not driving down the street. They're certainly watching more television, which is a very weird place to be. Um, just like, Oh, television advertising is back. This is a weird thing. <laughs> um, but the business Salacia did so well and we're, you know, we're exceeding goals and that's not what I expected in this time. So we were deemed an essential business, started offering new products and sanitizer and all the things that we'd never done before. So we were definitely able to um, shift and pivot into other lines of products. And I had time to do it because if Clark Creative would have been in a place where we were just, you know, threshold two would have been, would have been difficult for me to, to be innovative in that business and be able to come up with new products. So it, it was nice to have that. As you always say, like diversify, you know, don't always have all one type of client. So don't always have one type of business if you can handle it and you're crazy. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the key lessons, though, is that you didn't try and start both at the same time. I mean, mm-hmm. it was up and running and successful, and that gave you the yeah. chance to even think about having the other business. And now we have clients that need design work because of the, my, the salt business. So we're doing label design, packaging design um, for companies all over the country because they're purchasing products from Salacia. So it, that's been really nice. I'm like, where, where, which company do I send the bill from? Both. <laughs> yeah, a little symbiotic, you know, relationship there between Yeah, them. and it's great because I can just talk to them about their needs and then if, if they don't, they're like, oh, but my next challenge is my packaging or my logo. I'm like, hi, I can help over here. <laughs> yeah, um, so you did say something that I wrote down here because I wanted to ask about it. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, you've, you've gotten into uh, figuring out, trying to figure out how to hire for values. Do you have any tips for our entrepreneurs in the community about... Like, how do you test her value when you're in the interview process with somebody? Well, we talk a lot about what their hobbies are, what their interests are. Um, Just try to gauge their personality just based on um, some questions, just like simple conversation to begin with. So I try to keep that first meeting light um, and that in Typically, this my COO would do those initial interviews just to kind of feel them out for their personality to see if they're a good fit. So I think she has the magic sauce and answer for that. Um, but we do use um, a book called Strengths Finder, and that book has um, been great. But we don't give that to people until after they're hired. And I would really love to reverse that and have them do it before. But I don't know if that would be quite okay. <laughs> yeah but that has been good to see what people's strengths are and that doesn't always tell you either it's a great book um there was another thing that I did I did a test recently online that one of my friends that's in tech HR in Atlanta sent me and said hey I want to know if this is like reliable do you think it gives actual results it's like Claire or something like that it's like a bot um and it like was nailed me just nailed me to a T so I'll go find that link and I'll share it with everybody that's on yeah uh, post the video because it it was really interesting it takes five minutes to answer a bunch of questions and boom it nailed me I was like wow this is really crazy I once I once did start introducing a question to throw people off to see if they would get upset and it upset me so much I had to stop doing it but it was the question of just well thank you so much for meeting with me it's I've I've really enjoyed talking to you but I I'm not sure if if it if this interview is going well how do you feel about it and a lot of people will just They'll say nothing or they're like, what's wrong? What, what's happening? And I mean, just to see if you put them in a position that's uncomfortable for a minute, if they just retain their composure or if they, you know, um, but I stopped doing it because I would, I would scare people and I didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I once used an interview question when I was interviewing women that were starting businesses for, um, an accelerator program. And my decision was to try and find out if they were coachable or not. So I would ask them if they would change their company name. (laughs) I'm not sure about the name. Will you change it? And they'd be like, like same thing. Yeah. 
But so what I learned to do at the beginning of the interview is say, I want to remind you that this is an interview and I am interviewing you for the following three things. Like uh, for this accelerator program, I need you to be coachable. I need you to right, think yeah. that, right? And so then I'd ask them this question. If their answer was hell no, I'm like, okay, you're not coachable. Thank you. See you. Bye. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really hard. Values is the hardest thing to interview for. And I don't know that there are any tricks. I think it's experience. It's, it's you know, uh, interesting. Let me ask you this. Do you have any corporate values? Do you have like documented cor- corporate values? We do. Okay. Um, excellence, creativity, and I'm trying to think of the other two. It's been a while since I've actually had to think of it. We have, those are two. Yeah. So like Kate and I are innovation, innovation, excellence. I don't even know if creativity is one of them. We, we actually went through this major exercise with the company and everyone got to put together what they thought the values were. And then we all got together. We wrote our own definition. So I look at a lot of them. um, So it's not, I always feel like we have more than the core four. (laughs) That was a fun exercise to go through. Kate and I are doing that right now for the creative coast. And it's one of the things that I was thinking about, like, could I use these then later for things mm-hmm. like you're doing and things like that? So it'd be interesting. Too, stay tuned. Too soon to say. <laughs> um, so this is more of a little bit of a personal question. Um, Cause I believe every person's definition of success is different. And, and I think we all, we get caught up in this idea that success is this thing and we're all chasing the same thing. And the reality is we're not chasing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So what's your definition of success look like? I think it's having people tr- trust that I am, my team is the solution. I think that that feels best and feels like we've made it. It's not always the most lucrative jobs or clients, but I think success is when people feel comfortable and vouch for you. And, and when, when there's a conversation happening and someone says, do you know someone that can do X, Y, and Z and my name comes to mind? I think that that is huge and that feels great that I, and I, you know, when people come to interview, they're like, I've heard so much about you and I've heard about this company. And even when I've had employees that have had to leave, they're always so gracious because they say, well, I know you're connected in the community. So I want to do all that I can to make sure that I still have a good reputation with you. So, um, I think that's, um, big for me is like integrity of, of my, my brand and the company. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then the other thing I think about is I've traveled extensively for long periods of time and I've left my business like up to like six weeks and I come back and it's still going and thriving and the building hasn't burned down. We haven't lost clients. We've actually gained clients, some largest clients we've ever had. They've secured while I'm gone. And I feel like that is um, definitely success when I don't have to be here and it still goes. <laughs> I had to work really hard for that. Goes That goes to team. Right? Yeah, it is. Um, does anybody on the call have any questions that they would like to ask? Can open the mic up for them. See Dean. Hi Dean. Hey, Hi Dean. How is the uh, how are your tabletop thing going? Oh, the tabletops. 
Um, I launched a company called Faux Show Table Covers, and everybody loves it when they see it, but it is the most hard product, not in the world to market, but I think people probably have an easier time selling ice. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's cool and they, they're like, oh yeah, this would be great. I should get one. But it's just a very hard, if they see it at market, they love it, but they don't need it right then. And then, um, so we, we still have it. It's online. You want to buy it? <laughs> we have one that looks like wood oh um, yeah i know you have one looks like a dresser and everything it's really yes. looking yeah. yeah these table covers um are essentially fitted um simulations of real furniture so you go to market you go to events and you just pop it over a straight leg table and it looks like a piece of solid furniture and it i don't know how but it literally fools people for days like literally days people will walk by and then come back and be like touch it and they're like it's fake <laughs> so um faux show awesome very cool tracy did you have a question yeah and i think I can see it being really challenging for the table coverings to think about like search terms and things like that, what people are looking for. I can see that being really challenging. It's very challenging. Yeah. But my question is what is next? Oh, what is next? Well, I'm not, I'm trying to figure that out right now, but I know that something is happening. I know that, things are changing and I want them to change. And it's, I wouldn't say it's scary. Sometimes I feel like I'm being forced and sometimes I feel like I'm lucky to be able to make new decisions and change, but I've never, um, I feel like the circumstances around us are making me do it versus something from inside. And that's not normally, that's not normally it. I'm usually guided by, um, I don't want to say feelings and emotions, but, you know, but by like my gut and what I think, and now I feel like things are changing because of the world. Um, so I'm excited about it. I've got some ideas I'm not sharing yet. Um, but at Salacia, we have totally expanded. Like we've only been there for three years and I know you come in often and thank you for your support and, uh, and the ability to sell some of your products at our shop as well. But um, we are to the brim there and the private label, we probably get five inquiries in a day. People um, from all over the country are hiring us to produce products for them. Um, the, the internet world is booming with e-commerce. So people just want new products now. And I mean, it's moving so fast. So I feel like that business is definitely expanding. Um, we did launch a couple, well, during the pandemic, we launched, um, a new offerings through Clark creative to offer packaging that people could actually buy packaging and sort of more like template labels that we've designed that will customize for them. So it's, it's a little bit more mass market and it's where I've been seeing design moving since almost when I started, you know, it's like there's 99 designs and there's all these other template things that a lot of people when they're launching a business will go to. And I thought there's nothing out there for packaging. I have all these resources. I have the talent, we have the design. And so if we could create these designs for people to easily purchase and use, and maybe after like 10 people buy it, we'll expire it. I thought that that could be a new market. And so that's, 
it's, we're getting a little traction. Um, but again, like SEO keywords, all of that, that's going to take a little time. Um, but I have, I have all the resources with the, with the packaging and the design. So trying to make really like my goal all the time is to try to help businesses get to market is easily and painless and as cost effective as possible. So I think offering the solution on one hand kind of cuts the extensive strategic design, which strategy is um, one of our values. Um, But, you know, that does cut some of that out, but I think sometimes we're not an option at all because of the cost. So why not give them sort of like the entry level drug, if you will, show them the value of a good design, even if it is a template, and then hopefully phase two or three, they can hire us. So the last question I always ask is tips. What are your tips for our um, entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs in the audience? I would definitely um, start with what I learned at the boot camp with um, Dean there. I learned that um, through that Georgia Tech program, I, I participated in that. And I think I was doing it before, but the the MVP model, the minimal viable product, I think so many people put so much time and energy into making this magnificent plan and program and the, the design and building the website. And then they launch or they go to market and there's no need or they got the messaging all wrong. And I think that, you know, you want it to be perfect, but I think good is perfect enough when you're starting a business because you could spend years of your life hesitating and waiting and planning and writing. And then you just launch it. And in a day's time, someone could say, well, actually there's a product just like that down the street. Or why would I, why do I want it? And you think, you know, you've asked all your friends and your, and your parents and your kids, everyone loves your baby. Right. So I think to be, to start out with the most, you know, minimal viable product is probably the biggest thing. 